Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. as always to see all of you thank you for being here if you're joining us online app or podcast I want to welcome you as well and we are continuing today in our verse by verse study of the book of Hebrews and so let's um, get out our Bibles or a Bible app and if you can let's get to the book of Hebrews that's in the New Testament kind of towards the end get to chapter 5 we're going to pick up today in verse 11 and um Really today, we're starting what we would call the second part of our series, and we're calling the second part of the series All In, because the deal is, if you're going to press on in your faith, it takes a surrender to Jesus Christ. You got to say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. You got to say it, man, because when you're all in... You're going to find that is when you grow, when you mature in your faith, and that is the goal, that is the hope, spiritual growth, maturity, right? Now, we're all going to say we know that, yeah, we know that, we know, we know if you're a Christian that the goal is to be going from one degree of glory to the next, you know, spiritual, spiritual growth, we're supposed to be maturing. But what I have discovered, and this is all of you know this, spiritual growth, maturity, It's not automatic, like it just doesn't happen unless you're doing something. You're not going to stumble into maturity. Just like all of you here today, you're all here today at church. You you don't come to church accidentally, do you? Every one of you could be doing something else, but you have decided that you don't want to be doing that other thing. You want to be here in the house of God with God's people learning. It doesn't happen accidentally. Spiritual growth does not happen accidentally accidentally either now here's the interesting thing that I was thinking about I was thinking about this we know in the natural world and in the world we live in and you get a baby you get a newborn baby and if you got that newborn baby and that newborn baby is not growing you immediately know something is wrong you know something is I don't know deficient and that's why as soon as you have a baby I've actually never had a baby my wife had two of them But I'll tell you, first thing they do, they take that baby and they weigh the baby and they measure the baby and they do that multiple times throughout the next few days and they're just looking for marks of growth because in the world we live in, babies grow, right? You got to have these marks of maturity. They call them, I guess, developmental milestones. And if you're a, a child and you're not hitting these developmental milestones, 
They say, well, you, you, you got well, you got to go, you got to go see a, a specialist. In the world we live in, if you're not hitting your milestones, your, your growth, you got to go see a specialist. I, I know, I know, I know from personal experience. I want to show you guys, well, just a minute, I'll show you something. When, when, when I was young, I was a little guy, they say, I don't remember this, I don't remember this, they tell me that when I was speaking, nobody understood what I was saying, right? I don't know. He's like, you got some speech problems. So I had to go see a specialist. Now, 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 real quick, real quick, if you've been around here any time at, at all, you probably still realize at times I say some things kind of oddly. And uh, you, would go, you would go, I thought that was because you was from that small town in Texas. There may be some truth to that, but the reality is I do still have some speech pattern problems or certain words I can't say and sometimes I try to say them up here and it don't come out right all right but either way I wasn't speaking so they sent me to a specialist I looked in a box and I actually got one of my uh one I, I got I got let me see a graph I got a graph do we get it up here there we go fail look at that failed speech and hearing screens that's what that's what I want to look that woman up on the social media I don't have a time that would not be the first test I failed, you know what I mean? When I failed, man, you couldn't hear me, couldn't understand me. I was missing the mark. I was missing my mark. So you go, Travis, no one know what you're talking about, man. And so they sent me to a specialist. I had to do some things, whatever, all right? And that's what happens. You don't hit your marks in life. You're going to get these, go to specialists. In some extreme cases, if you're not growing, they even use a term called failure to thrive, that's the natural world. But the reality is, is that can also be true in the spiritual world. Yes, it's a massive tragedy that few talk about or really put much thought on, and that's namely missing spiritual milestones, or even worse yet, a failure to thrive spiritually. I don't know, I mean, you can look around. I mean, see people not growing as they ought grow and there's a lot of blame you know you can read articles some people being uh, going to blame the church the, the church the, the american church is deficient and that's why we got all these kind of failure to thrive spiritually going on maybe so i don't know and sometimes i get articles and people send me articles pastors aren't teaching what they need to be teaching once again there might be some truth in that as well when they say the lacks Western church, whatever. And there's plenty of things to blame, man. There's a, plenty of things. But the author of Hebrews is going to tell us that ultimately the individual has a responsibility to grow spiritually. Amen, and that's what we're going to look at today. That's what we're going to look at today. The author of Hebrews is going to give us, and by the way, <laughs> this is gonna be some, he's going to say some harsh stuff. Some of the harshest stuff you find in the Bible. He's going to give us four marks of immaturity, and he's going to give us one mark of spiritual maturity. Let's just walk through it, all right? He, he don't want us to miss our milestones. He does not want us to have a failure to thrive spiritually, so let's look at them. Chapter 5, verse 11, first mark of immaturity is slow to learn. Slow to learn, man. 5.11, here we go. Here's what he says. About this, we have much to say. About what? About Jesus. And it is hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. 
He's like, okay, guys, we're, we're, we're in chapter number five, verse 11. He says, slow down, slow down. I got to tell you something. I got a lot of stuff I want to teach you about Jesus. But I'm telling you right now, it's hard. It's hard to tell you about Jesus. It's hard to tell you about Jesus because one, the subject matter is Jesus. He is grand, he is glorious, and he is deep. But there's an additional problem that I'm having with this congregation that he's speaking to. The additional problem is they become hard of hearing. So not only are these deep, glorious truths that he wants to teach them, they also are not hearing what he's saying. That's hard. But notice these words. I love words. He says, become dull of hearing. There's some implications there. The implications, as I understand the use of that word, is they had not always been dull of hearing. At some point, at some reason, from I don't know why, they become dull of hearing. And you can check out, check out that word dull. I love the word dull. You become it. You become dull. I love it. That word dull, D-U-L-L, did I say that incorrectly? Dull, dull, dull. You know, thank you. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, listen. Th- that word is only used one time in the New Testament. One time. And it's used right here. That's it. It's an odd word. It means sluggish. It means lethargic. And you're like, I don't know, dude. You, you, you can't go up in the church and be telling people they slow and lethargic. That's harsh. That is not what you might call politically correct. You can't be doing that. That's going to offend people. What we need to understand is this is meant to offend. You're supposed to hear this the way he's saying it. This is supposed to be an offensive thing. And when you're offended, it's supposed to light a fire underneath you so you will get away from being offended. He's literally saying, you guys are sluggish of ears. All right. So my question is this, how did they acquire this condition? A condition characterized by an inability to hear spiritual truth. Because they're not intellectually deficient. What had happened? Well, what had happened is that they had become, as hard to say, but spiritually lazy. They're lazy. Once again, I don't know. Travis, I don't know if you can be saying stuff like that. It's, it's in the text. It's in the text. Now, listen, we can be, let me be honest. Let me be honest. I've been spiritually lazy seasons in my life. I think, I think everyone here, you would say, at some point in your spiritual life, you have been spiritually lazy, maybe for a season. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you might even say something like this. Maybe you might say something like this. What's wrong... What's the harm if you're just lazy for a season? Because I'll tell you what, honestly, honestly, I get physically lazy certain seasons. I get lazy in the summer. I get lazy in the summer. And if I'm lazy in the summer, really worst case scenario is my grass gets really long, right? That's the worst case scenario. You can cut it, <laughs> you know, the first, the first freeze, and then you cut it, all right? That's the worst case scenario. Let me tell you something right now. Being spiritually lazy for a season has far worse consequences than being lazy for a season, maybe not mowing the lawn. He says here, you become lazy. You will get sluggish in the ears 
and the deep spiritual truths about Christ will be hard to explain to you. All right, that's first. First, mark of immaturity is you're slow to learn. And now I wish you would stop there, but he's going to keep on going. Second mark of immaturity, he's going to say a refusal to grow. A refusal to grow. Look at the verse 12. This This is hard stuff, guys. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So you see here, they have a refusal to grow spiritually. Now there's some things, some words I want to kind of draw out here that really stand out to me. I want you to notice first the word time. He says, by this time. By this time what? You should be teachers. That's what, that's what he says, all right? Now the word time there in Greek is chronos. It means clock time. It means calendar time. It means chronology. In other words, he is saying... You guys been sitting long enough in that church. You've been in that pew long enough. You've been in that chair long enough. You ought to be teachers. So he's not talking about the one-time visitor. He's not talking about someone who just dropped in. He's not talking about the individual who comes at Christmas and Easter, by the way, two great services. But that's not, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, you guys have been there long enough hearing this stuff for an extended period of time. You've been exposed to the truth, saturated with the truth for an exceedingly long amount of time. You should be teaching it, all right? Second thing, it appears that they've lost their grip on the truth. Look, at, it's in the text. He says, teach you, look at that word, again, I'll teach you again the basic principles, that is the ABCs. So not only are they, they need to be teachers, but now because they are dull of hearing, they need again, they need again someone to teach them what they ought already be teaching others. In other words, they put themselves in a position where they had lost what they once knew. And now, in addition to that, they need someone to come back, take them back to square one. And I'm telling you, that is really frightening, right? That's frightening. You got you hearing the truth, right? You're not, you're, not, you're not using the truth. You're not teaching the truth. You're not explaining the truth. You're not telling others about the truth. That leads to you losing truth I want to say this I think maybe all of us maybe even some of us would sit there and say something like this you know I know someone who ought be teaching but they're not even attending that's a dangerous place to be that's a dangerous place to be is it not because there is the possibility that you're going to lose the truth that you know, that's a tragedy. All right, so that's the second mark. Let's move on to the third mark, third mark of immaturity. Unskilled, okay, unskilled with the word of God. Pick up in the last part of verse 12. Check this out. Okay, real quick. He's saying this, not me. Don't be throwing, don't be throwing anything up here. Look, you need milk, Not solid food, verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness 
since he is a child. Once again, guys, that's harsh. That's harsh. Flat out, flat out, flat out. He said, you, you guys need milk, not solid food. In other words, he's looking at them. He's saying, you guys are babies. Baby, you know, little baby, little baby, got a little baby, little, little babies in the church. That's not, <laughs> you can't be saying that stuff, man. That's, that's not, you don't grow, you don't grow a church by telling people they're babies. Well, he's not really telling people they're babies. He's telling babies they're babies. They just don't know they're babies. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 seriously. If you don't like being called a baby, then stop being a baby. It's harsh. Like, we, we need lions up in the church. We don't need cubs, man. What do you do with a cub? What do you do with a cub? Put a cub, cub in a petting zoo. They're cute. They're cute. No cute little cub. You need some lions. This is really some of the harshest language found in the Bible. And I just try to imagine the picture that he's painting, the absurdity of it all. Full-grown men and women. I don't know, sitting around in diapers, neither capable of nor desiring solid food. They sit around, I don't know, sucking on their thumbs. That's the picture. Such full-grown infants amount, I don't know, to a disgrace and a drain on the church. And that's harsh. And what is the result of a diet of milk? What is the result? Once again, the Bible, it says right here, result, you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. You're unskilled, man. The word of God. Here's the interesting thing. I thought about this. In that church, they had heard great preaching. In that church, they had access to the word of God. And they had the, the Old Testament. They had the Torah. They had additional stuff. The problem wasn't the great preaching necessarily from the pulpit. The problem wasn't they didn't have, I don't know, access to everything that was available to them. The problem was they were unskilled at applying the things that they were being taught. They should have been teachers. They should have been bearing witness about Christ. They should have been sharing the glorious message of Jesus with their friends, their neighbor, their co-workers. Let that be us. Yeah. Unskilled, unskilled. I'm going to share a story with you. I'm gonna share, I've never shared this story. Um, and I'll try to stay on track. All right. So most of you know, um, you know, for nine years, I was, my, my family, we were, we were missionaries in Africa. Tanzania, Dar es Salaam, Muslim setting, and I, I was pastoring a church there. And it was, it was a tremendous thing to be a part of. It's, you know, people getting saved. And it was growing. And it was just a tremendous thing to be. I was blessed. I was just blessed to be there. And so now from time to time, we would get contacted by a church in the States, different churches, and they would want to send a volunteer team. You know, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. Help you out. And they would say, oftentimes, we can come down and we can build you something. And I'm like, I don't need nothing built Unless you want to build and put in a hot tub, I don't know. Well, we don't need nothing, man. I tell you what I do need. This is what I need. This is what I need. If you can just send me a small group, eight to ten people, 
come over here and for a week, just teach, teach, teach my church, man. We got, we got new believers. We got these people coming from, from, from different backgrounds, different, different, different faith, Islam and stuff like that. And send me, send, me a, send me some people and we're gonna get in these little small groups and we're gonna spend the week teaching and, and send me your best, man. Send me your best. Send me your best if you can. And so this one time, this, this real big church in the, in the South and, 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 this, and it's a, they're lovely people, lovely church. All right, they really are. They're wonderful. And they're sitting in a group about eight or 10. I don't know. And I'm telling them what they need to teach and they, they come over. They're gonna come over. They get to my church with my people we break up in these little groups all across the, the area and they're meeting for a week. Once again, the loveliest of people, loveliest of people, sincere people. I don't want you to understand that. They go back to the States and I gather my leadership together and I ask them, did you enjoy the week? Did you learn some deep truths? Did you get more knowledge in the room with my leaders? They all silent. They didn't say nothing. Now, in the Tanzanian culture, specifically the African culture there, they did not like to tell you things that they knew you did not want to hear. I knew that. And I'm not going to draw it out of them, but a little bit later, later on, I got one of my main leaders, a, a man I loved very much, and um, I said, you got to tell me what happened, what's going on? And he looked down, he wouldn't look me in the eyes, he goes, well, Travis, they didn't teach us much at all. I go, well, they didn't teach much at all. And he was really embarrassed. He goes, well we actually had to teach them some things. I was devastated. These guys, I mean, these guys, they're wonderful people from the States. They got this big, beautiful church. They got, they got access to every podcast, to every great preacher they could ever listen to. They got every, every one of those people on that mission team. I'm quite certain they had five Bibles in their house. They ought to have been teachers. They ought to have been teachers. Amen. I'm gonna break your heart. Fourth mark of immaturity. Not training mental and spiritual senses. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Man, there's some beauty there. We're going to go through this. There's, you gotta, this is so amazing. This verse right here. First, church, notice, you can become mature. It's there for the mature. It is obtainable. You can become spiritually mature. I'm not talking about perfection here. But you have the ability to become mature. It can be obtained Second thing, this jumps out at me. Notice we are told that a mature or fully grown person is a person who distinguishes good from evil. So you may be sitting there and you may be saying this to yourself. How do I know if I'm mature? Well, this text says, can you distinguish good from evil? That's golden right there, right? I take this to mean that a mature believer is able to discern between true and false religion, true and false claims, sins and righteousness. And this is not legalism. But the text says that a mature believer has the ability to distinguish good from evil. Okay, great. Okay, 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 okay. I can obtain 
maturity. You can be mature, not perfect, mature. You know that you are mature if you have the ability to distinguish good from evil. How do you get there? How do you accomplish it? It's in the text. We get there, the text says, by being trained by constant practice. That's how you do it. It's in that one text. You got training. You got to be constant practice. You can't be lazy. You can't be slothful. It requires energy and effort and concentration and focus on the person and works of Jesus Christ. That's gold there. Verse 14. That's gold, man. That is gold, man. Every one of us, if you're a believer, you can mature. You can get to a state of maturity. You can still grow. You can still learn, but you can get there. And you know you're there when you have the ability to distinguish good from evil, and you get there by constant practice. Four marks, four marks, four marks of immaturity. Now he's going to give us chapter six, a mark of maturity. Here we go. We're going to switch gears here. A determination to grow in Christ. There's a lot going on here. I'm going to walk through it. Six, one, therefore, church, therefore, because of all of these marks of immaturity, let us, church, leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go to where? Maturity. Go on to maturity. All right? So we're told, I just want to make sure we understand this. Leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. Two quick things I want to say about this. Elementary does not mean less important. It doesn't mean that, all right? These are fundamental things. And by leave, it doesn't mean forget. What he's saying is we've got to move on from the foundational stuff. We've got to build upon it. Let me give you just an example from our world, all right? When you were in, I don't know, elementary school, right? You get to, you learn your ABCs, you get your ABCs. That's basic, that's one-on-one, all right? Now you go on to middle school, high school, maybe even college. When you go to all these others, when you progress in your education, you do not at that time stop using the alphabet, do you? No. In fact, that is the stuff that all the other education is built upon. So by leaving it, it doesn't mean forget about it. By leaving it, it doesn't mean it's not important. What it does mean is that you need to progress from it, build upon it, and grow because of it. That's what he's saying. Keep going. The rest of verse 1. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Now, this is foundational. This is a 101, 101 right here, right? First, what does he say? Repent. Repent. Repent of what? Dead works. That is your sin. Repent of dead works. Repent of your doomed attempt at your self-salvation. You got to turn away from your sin. And what do you have to do? Have faith. I love it. It's all through the Bible. Repent, believe. Repent and believe. I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to say it this way. He said it this way. Repent towards, have faith in God. Right? Grace. Now, that's one-on-one. Let me tell you something right now. If you have not repented and you have not called upon Jesus Christ to save you, then you, my friend, are not a Christian. You're not. You got nothing to build on. I don't care if you say you're a Christian. It don't matter. If you have not done that, 
You ain't got the ABCs, all right? Foundational, foundational. That's what we got. We got that. Now he's going to continue. Verse 2. Now he's going to give us a list of things that we're to move on from. Now, this is really Judaic, meaning it really speaks to the Jewish heart. These are Hebrews. But you're going to get the picture. 2. Verse 2. And of instructions about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now you're going to move on from those things. Move on from those things. Let me get three things real quick. First, instructions about washing. You've got to move on. Now that's the Old Testament. They had certain rituals. They had this certain religiosity you're supposed to do. He says, you know what? You've got to move on from religion. You got to move on from religion. You got to move on into a relationship with Jesus. He's saying that. Second, the laying on of hands. Okay, once again, there is a New Testament concept, but we're talking Old Testament. We're talking Leviticus 1 4 here. We're talking about you take a, it's a sacrificial system, right? You take, you, you're a sinner. You got a sinner, you're going to take a goat. I don't know what you're going to take. Let's say goat. You put the goat, you lay your hands on the goat. You're supposed to be symbolically transferring your sin to the goat. They kill the goat. Your hands are clean, whatever, all right? He said, that's a picture, man. That's a picture. That's a picture of Jesus. And you got to move on from that. Move on from the picture. Move to the substance. Move on to Jesus. And then he says the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Once again, I would say the resurrection of the dead, that's our great hope, right? But what he's saying, big picture, man, we got to get past in time, I don't know, sermons and studies. People get all wrapped up. People get all wrapped up in the end times, get all wrapped up in this stuff and eternal judgment. He goes, guys, you got you to you move on past that stuff. Because what you got to understand, if you are saved, you are saved from eternal judgment. You got security in Christ. You got to move on from those things. Saved by grace through faith. That faith is a gift from God so that no one might boast. But Christ is the foundation. These other things are pictures of it. Move away from that and move on to Christ. They were not moving on. And their ear get all hard and crusty. I don't know. I was thinking about this. Um, in that in that graphic of mine, when I was nine, when when I had my my hearing thing, it said if you read it, it said that one of the reasons they thought perhaps I couldn't speak was because that I had, I don't know, stuff in my ears. And that stuff, man, is stuff in your ears. Trying to do all the, you just gotta move on. It's Jesus. Verse three. And this we will do if God permits. I love it. Determination, right? This we will do. That's our cry. This we will do. I can mature and I will mature. This we can do. And then he says, if God permits, meaning it's all by the grace of God. Church, we too can say the same thing. We, can have, we will do this. We will grow. 
we will grow by the grace of God. So, yeah, we need lions up in here. Amen. We don't want to be no cub. Press on, press on. Do not become dull of hearing. Press on by constant practice. Church, we will grow. This, this we can do. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this passage. It's difficult, it's hard, it's hard to hear. I pray that we would be a people who press on, that we'd be a people who do the hard things, that we'd be a people who are committed to our church. We're committed to church attendance. We're committed to praying for one another. We're committed to using our gifts, our talents, and our abilities. We're committed to telling people about Jesus. We're committed to reading our Bible. We're committed to lifting up the saints. And through it, we will grow. And we ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. 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 Tonight, we're blessed to continue by having the Lord's Supper together. And so I would ask you at this time to get out the elements. If you did not receive these, if you do not have these, if you would raise your hand and somebody will get them to you. We got over here. Anybody else? We got Rodney. Rodney back here. All right. We got some people back, right back here and right over here. Hey, James, right back here and then right over here. We're not going to throw it. <laughs> All right. We got everybody? All right. So I do want to briefly take, set aside a moment to just go over some things about the Lord's Supper. If you've been here before, I like to say this as much as I can because I remember after I got saved, taking the Lord's Supper and having no clue why. Question is this, who can take the Lord's Supper? Here at Silverdale Baptist Church, we practice what is called open communion. I could go into the different views. One view would be you can only take it if you've been saved and baptized. Another view would be only if you're a member of the certain particular church or part of a covenant community. Those are all wonderful, or, you know. But here we say this, if you're a believer, if you're a believer, if you've repented and believed, you do not need to be a member of this church, but you're welcome to the table. That's open communion. Who cannot take this? Who ought not, should not partake of this? First, if you're not a believer... If you have not repented and called on Christ to save you, this table is not for you. It is a family commemoration, and it's not for you. And I would ask that you just let this pass. There's a second group who should not take of the elements today. You're a believer, you've repented, and you've called on Christ to save you, but you are currently walking in unrepentant sin. We all sin, I get it. What I'm talking about specifically is that there's sin in your life, 
you know it's sin and you're not asking for forgiveness. You're not turning from it. You're not even, you're like, God, I don't want to keep doing it. I like doing it. I'm in a season. Get back to me in my next season, whatever. The word of God says at this time, it is best for you to let this pass as well. But the glorious, glorious news is this. Everyone here can take it. If you're not a believer, all you have to do this very moment is repent and believe. All you got to say is, Father, forgive me of my sins. Save me. And he will immediately. Boom. You're saved. If you mean it, and you call. And he says, come on to the table. What do you know? There's another chair there. It's got your name on it. Come on up. All right. If you're walking unrepentant in sin, all you need to do right now is repent. And if you're a Christian, you should be very familiar with repentance because it's something we do continually. You say, Father, forgive me. I hear you by your grace and your strength. I repent and I will walk different here on out. And he says, come on to the table, daughter. Come on to the table, son. There's a place for you. So in other words... There's no reason why everyone here cannot take this tonight. Let me read 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven to you real quick. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Look at verse 28. We're about to practice this. Let a person examine himself then, meaning after you've examined yourself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. I love, I love reading the word of God and then immediately practicing it. And that's what we're about to do. We're gonna practice verse 28. We're gonna set aside a moment to let each and every one of us examine ourselves. You got sin, God's reminding you of something, you gotta repent. If you don't know Jesus, you just say, forgive me, save me. And after a moment, I'll come up and then we, as the body of Christ, we're going to partake of the elements. Let's examine ourselves, church. church if you would let's get out the element and if you put the bread on top what you're going to do is grab this tab and you're just going to pull it back and I just want you to hold it 
and I'm going to read. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Christian, do this in remembrance of me. Church, let's remember our Lord. And this time, if you'll take it and put the juice on top, in the same manner, but a little bit more carefully, if you'll take that flap, then you just kind of pull it back. Let me read. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. That, you know, come on, that, 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 that is so rich there. A new covenant, a covenant of grace. And how is it obtained? In his blood. Not your work, not your doing, but in his blood. Do this as often as you drink it in what? Remembrance of me, in remembrance of Jesus, in remembrance of what he's done, in remembrance of what you have been saved from and saved for, and you're supposed to grow. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim. We're making a proclamation right now, church. We're making a proclamation of the Lord's death until what? He comes again. And my friend, he will return. Silverdale Saturday nights, let's do this in remembrance of our Savior Jesus. Let's pray, Father God, you are good and gracious. You are kind, but you're just so good. You're so good. I thank you for Silverdale Baptist Church, but I specifically at this very moment, thank you for Silverdale Saturday nights. These people, this congregation, I pray that we would be a people who grow. I pray that you would bind our hearts to one another, that we would love each other, encourage one another, that this congregation would be a reflection of you. Father, we ask all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They're about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, We appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.